Let's do that hockey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 119 of Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, as always, Peter Harling. And this episode, we're getting back to my top 10 prospect rankings uh, team by team. And in alphabetical order, this episode takes us to Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're actually kind of breaking the alphabetical rule and, and skipping Minnesota wild, but don't worry. I'll be coming back with them in a couple of days with, uh, with regular guests to the show, Russ Cohen, and we'll be going over have, uh, sorry, Montreal, Minnesota wild prospects. But today <clears throat> I'm going to be going over the Montreal Canadians. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Amy Johnson from the AHL report. You can find her on Twitter at, at the AHL report and she is a podcast host for the press zone uh welcome to the show Amy thank you so much Peter great uh great to be here and thanks for inviting me yeah so for anyone who wants to read along with the top 10 prospects the the rankings are posted on uh nhlrumors.com and uh, you, there'll be a link in the show notes if, if you want to find the article or just the top 10 rankings. So Amy is the uh, Laval expert for the Habs and, and covers their prospects deeps, watches every game, is in conversations with players and coaches. So really excited to be joined by someone who has a far more detailed and in-depth knowledge of the Habs prospects than I do. Uh, and, and she can help point out all the errors of my way in my top 10 rankings. I- I'll, I'll try to live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> be, be gentle. So uh, this article was actually posted uh, a few months ago. So there are some things that might have changed a little bit if I were to rank them today. For example, the number one prospect I had was Cole Caulfield. He was still under 25 NHL games played at the time uh, this article went to print. So we'll start with Cole. Um, you know, he had an amazing amazing american hockey or sorry uh, ncaa career um you know led the league and hobie baker and and all that uh, gold medal with uh us at the world juniors and uh signed last year as a um at the end of the season with the Habs, so his pro contract and quickly played his way out of the american hockey league and right into the habs lineup for that cinderella playoff run that they had and looked like he was going to be a sure fire slam dunk for the Calder Trophy, and um, didn't really have a super start to the season. Uh, and then since they swapped their coaches and went with uh, Martin St. Louis, he has turned into everything that everyone thought that he would be. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Cole Caulfield. I think he's pretty well documented at this point, but um, it's nice to see that he's he's playing his way into, you know, not necessarily a little too late for Calder trophy consideration, but you know, if he would have been playing like this all season, um, that's exactly where he would be in the Calder trophy wheelhouse. Um, What can you tell me about his slow start and his turnaround? Well, and that's just it. You know, if he had been playing in this manner since the beginning of the season, absolutely. He would be uh, probably definitely a front runner uh, in the Calder conversations right now but the fact of the matter is he didn't play like this all season in fact it took until there was a coaching change for Cole Caulfield to break out of whatever 
dark cloud or slump or or just whatever whatever was going on with Cole Caulfield, it was uh, concerning. He, he he even went down and did a brief stint in the AHL this season um, while Dom Ducharme was the head coach, um, and I frankly got brought back up pretty quickly. Um, you know what? What was it that was not working for Cole Caulfield in the beginning of the season? Well, plenty of people will probably say uh, that maybe Dominic Ducharme had something to do with that. Um, Dom Ducharme's work with some of the younger players and the prospects. Um, And while there is quite possibly certainly a connection there, I think some of it too is, is just Caulfield's growth in the NHL. Yes. He had, he, he just stormed onto the scene last year, uh, played a, as you said, just a, you know, not even a cup of coffee in the AHL before he was called up to the NHL. They went on that deep playoff run and he looked like the player that we saw him be uh, in the, in the NCAA this season. Uh, he, he, the big thing for Cole Caulfield is he couldn't score. And it was obvious that the longer it went, that he couldn't get into the back of the net, the more it was weighing on him the more that it was affecting his confidence. And I think that cycle, you know, that's the first time really in Cole Caulfield's career that he's faced that kind of adversity in his game. And uh, whether it was that he didn't know how to get out of it, whether it was not the right coaching staff and support system in place, who knows? Um, Martin St. Louis comes in and he's obviously restored Cole Caulfield's confidence. It's wonderful to see the beaming smile of Cole Caulfield each and every game. He's having fun again. Um, he's, he's enjoying the game and he's doing obviously, you know, kind of the shackles are off. He's doing the things that he knows how to do best. He's shooting and he's finding the back of the net. He's uh, I believe he's already had an, uh, another assist uh, in a, in a game that he's playing right now. Um, so the, shooter side of Cole Caulfield is back. <laughs> I think it's very exciting for fans. I think everyone is breathing a sigh of relief that, okay, Cole Caulfield's not broken. Um, but there's just, for me, Cole Caulfield still needs to work on his defensive game. That is still, it's great that Martin St. Louis kind of let him loose and said, go do what you do best. Um, and we love, I love that. I just would still caution that he needs a lot of work on his, on the defensive side of his game as well. Well, as a fantasy hockey owner of Cole Caulfield in one of my leagues, I'm ecstatic about his rediscovery of his game here. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm super pleased that I didn't, uh, I didn't give up on him and, and trade him away or anything like that. So um, hopefully everyone listening out here was either held on to him or was smart enough to pick him up when he was in his, <laughs> in his slump and is now reaping right. the benefits. That's right. All right. So he's on the roster. He's kind of established himself as an NHL player for the rest of his career now uh so let's let's move down and um look at the next guy that i have ranked on my list and that's caden gooley uh big defenseman physical skates well good offensive i mean this is a player who could potentially project as a a top pairing uh he was traded in the um, Western Hockey League this season from Prince Albert to the Edmonton Oil Kings, where he'll have a really good shot at making it to the Memorial Cup if he can get past Winnipeg and uh, and do some damage in a long playoff run and get some valuable experience in what should be the final season of his junior career before he turns pro. Um, is this a player that you would have this highly ranked 
uh, in the Canadian system as well, because they have a number of, of defensemen that will go over. So minutes on the blue line in the next couple of seasons in Montreal are, are going to be hotly contested. Uh, that is that is for sure, both in Montreal and in the AHL in Laval. Uh, it's going to be a lot of heavy competition for ice time and, and roster spots. Um, but I agree with you. Caden Gooley is definitely um, tops uh, for defensive prospects uh, still to, to come on to the scene for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, this kid's got uh, seven goals, 33 assists this season between his two uh, WHL clubs. Um, this is a young man that likely will not spend long in the AHL, uh, I think that the Canadians will. Uh, he 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 presented well uh, both at training camp and uh, the short little stint that he did uh, with the Laval Rocket in just the three games that he played last season. Uh, looked to be very poised and, and ready to go, and he's really showing this season that uh, that that's just he, he's developed even even further than that. I think uh, I think he's not going to be long for the AHL. I think he'll be in the NHL pretty quickly. Um, and the great thing is he also brings leadership, a lot of leadership qualities uh, for a young man. He's very mature, very grounded, um, both off the ice and on the ice. So uh, I think it's a big plus. I think it's a, a prospect that the Canadians are going to welcome with open arms. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's strong and physically developed and he's got size. So I think he's very ready for the pro grain game um, and won't be long in before he's in the NHL. Uh, that's great because, you know, they could use some replacements on the blue line. They've, they've traded mm-hmm. away some, uh, some players at the deadline here, they lost Shea Weber. So there is the doors open for some of these prospects to come through. Another player that looks like Montreal has got some questions around is their starting goaltender. Yeah, the future of Carey Price is a little bit, a little bit questionable right now. Um, and you know, a few years ago, I had Caden Primo, who was my third ranked prospect. Uh, I had him pegged as the next starting goalie for Montreal and kind of not even just the next starting goalie. Montreal's got a, a rich history of elite goaltending mm. uh, and Caden Primo's NCAA career was pretty impressive. Very spectacular. Now he's been, I would say very good in the American hockey league and the Habs have had uh, the luxury of having Carey Price play and and goal for them uh, up until this season and it allowed Caden Primo to develop at a nice comfortable steady rate in the American Hockey League and goalies can sometimes take a little bit longer how has he looked because I I haven't watched enough to to be an expert on him the way you are but I look at his stat line and I compare it to what he did at the NCAA level and it's not disappointing but it doesn't seem to be trending in that same uh, Hall of Fame direction that I was thinking that this this kind of prospect could potentially turn out to be. Um, so anywhere from future Hall of Famer to future NHL starting goalie to a bust, there's a lot of <laughs> range in there. <laughs> what do you, what do you like for for his best case scenario upside or, or his most likely case scenario for say? I wouldn't go as far as to say bust uh i'm not seeing hall of famer (laughs) i'm not seeing hall of famer though either um caden primo i will say he has been good at the ahl level uh even his ahl stats are not as good as when he was in the ncaa um and part of that 
part of the issue for me is that Caden Primo, this is his third season playing uh, pro, and he has not yet played a full season in the AHL where he can just purely focus on his development. And you're correct. Um, goaltenders take the longest to develop. Forwards go the quickest, then the defensemen, then the goaltenders. The goaltenders traditionally take the longest. And every time Caden Primo has been called up for an NHL stint in the last two seasons, both last year and this year, it has gone disastrously. He's, you know, he'll he'll give up four goals in the NHL and get and get yanked, and and that'll happen on on back to back games or. Uh, too many times to count. Um, and so then what ends up happening is he gets sent down and he has to restore the confidence again and feel good about himself again. Um, and we saw that happen again with him this year. Um, and then once he gets settled back in, in the AHL level, then he starts to feel better about himself. He, he plays, he plays well at the AHL level, but it's not translating to the NHL yet. Um, when I've talked to him, he's, you know, I, he has, talked about needing he understands that he needs to use his size better to his advantage he sometimes plays small um there's a lot of times even at the ahl level that you can see him out of position uh so he needs to work on his positioning as well there are just plenty of little things that he just needs to focus on in his game i predict he needs another full year in the ahl before they can even consider bringing him up as a full-time backup one of the things I've said on, on this, show, <laughs> that's all right. I don't own them in any of my fantasy leagues, so I'm, I'm not personally invested here. <laughs> One of the things I've said uh, on this show a couple of times is for goaltenders, what I think makes the difference between a good goalie to a starting goalie or a great goalie is their mental toughness, the ability to mm-hmm. um, shake off a bad goal or um, yeah, just Letting in a bad goal, letting a stinker, all, all goalies are going to do that. But how they respond to that, does it make them smarten up or snap them out of something or smarten up or hunker down or say, well, that was embarrassing. I'm not going to let any more go in. Or do they do they crumble? Because you know, there's a lot of pressure playing pro mm-hmm. hockey or, or in the NHL. You're, you're in front of 20,000 fans. They're all booing or laughing at you or, or chanting your name and mocking you. And you know, you're also on television. You know, this is going to be a meme on Twitter for the next three days, like Nadelkovich backhand swatting it into his net a couple weeks ago. Right. What, what do you know about his, um, his mental toughness there? Um, he's not, uh, he's not one of those that I would call an emotional goaltender. And I think everyone is pretty, pretty aware of, of goalies that are, that, that ride the roller coaster of emotions right in front of you from period to period throughout a game. Uh, so he's not an emotional goaltender like that. Um, he is able to recover, um, and, and focus on the next goal and put them behind him. I think it's when he gets buried, if he suddenly has let in three or four and maybe a couple of them were really soft, um, then you can start to see that he starts to, I don't want to say panic, uh, but he starts to to think about it too much. And I think that's where he starts to overthink what he's doing instead of just relying on his training. Um, so I would say he's kind of in the middle with that. He's not a, he's not a real, um, he doesn't get in his head too much. Uh, but there are times, I think, in extreme cases where I think it just gets to him. And I think part of that has to do with his maturity and his age. And I think he just needs more seasoning 
in order to to get better at that. All right. So that's a good start to their their top three prospects. You've got a potential superstar sniper, a potential top pairing all round do it all Mr. Everything defenseman. And then you've got a potential starting goaltender that, that, that is a good foundation for your prospect pool right there. Uh, the next guy I have on my list goes back to the blue line. Um, that's Matthias Norlander. So interesting file here. He's come over from, um, from the SHL this season after having a good season last year with Frolunda. Um, he is the Montreal Canadiens 2019 third round draft pick. He's 21 years old now. Uh, he's got okay size, 6'1", 185. He was their playoff leading scorer last year in five points in seven games. Uh, pretty impressive for a defenseman. And Montreal signed him after that, brought him over to North America. He's played six games in both the AHL and the NHL and then bounced back to to Sweden. He's played 21 games on loan back to Forlunda in the SHL and has a whopping two points in 21 games. So this is a player that was, when I wrote this article was really sort of trending up in the right direction. And now that it's been published, he's seems to me that he's trending in the opposite direction, even harder. Um, what is with the real Matthias Norlander? Please stand up. What do we have here? <laughs> Matthias Norlander, uh, Matthias Norlander is going to be a, a solid defenseman. Um, I, this is one of those cases where I think that the stat sheet uh, doesn't really tell the story. Um, I think Matthias Norlander came over here. Yes, he he has done well in, in Sweden, uh, particularly last year. And, you know, playing in the SHL is playing against men and older men and playing a, a hard competitive game. It's a very competitive league. Um, and I think that he really thought that he was NHL ready when he came over here for training camp this year and for rookie camp. Um, and I think it was a probably a bit of a, a shock to his system when he realized that, okay, no, there's going to be an adjustment and, and maybe I have some lessons that I need to learn. Um, you know, played that, that handful of games in the NHL. And then he got sent to the American League, and I've seen reports where uh, he he was surprised to get sent down to the AHL that he didn't uh, something to the effect of he wasn't aware that he could play in that league, and I think that he didn't know how to how to deal with all of that. Uh, and I think the the expectations for himself that he was NHL ready, and then suddenly finding himself in the AHL. Um, I think all of that just kind of culminated into feeling a little bit lost. Uh, and so went back to Sweden. He's back with Ferlunda. In fact, Ferlunda just uh, made it to the semifinals in their playoffs, uh, just qualified for that. So he's he's getting good experience this year. No, he's not. He's not producing uh, points, but I think just him being in an environment that he feels comfortable in where he can get that confidence back. And now that he knows what is coming and what he's facing when he comes here. I think he's going to be um, a different person, not athlete, but a different person when he comes back for training camp this coming fall. Um, and I think he'll have a, a different kind of, of intellect and maturity as far as how he needs to approach his training camp and what he needs to be ready for. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't cross Norlander off anyone's lists of guys to, to watch for. Uh, I think he could be a, a solid, um, you know, second, third pairing defenseman, as long as uh, he can make the transition to the smaller ice. Um, but 
I think it's just been a, I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster year for him. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that I, I've <clears throat> interviewed and talked to a couple of players as well over, over my time in hockey. And I've heard a number of occasions of times where I asked players in the Ontario hockey league specifically who have been drafted and have come back from a, uh, from a, a, a development camp or a training camp or some preseason games, or even players that as the season ended were, were called up and, and played a, had a cup of coffee in the American hockey league or even the NHL, and then come back and play a final season in junior. And I asked them about their experience as limited as it was in the big leagues. And it's, you know, they're, they always open their eyes wide and you can just see how they're like, wow, wow. It was, it was a whole kind of different. And it gives them it just that little cup of coffee gets them so much more prepared for mm-hmm. the next season and what to expect. And it, it gets rid of, I think a lot of the uncertainty or the the jitters that they might have. And that, you know, they'll be familiar. They have met the guys, they'll have skated with them. And, you know, hopefully that they'll feel like, you know, I, I was, it's pretty intimidating going from a junior level all the way up to skating with NHL players but after you've done that for a couple of weeks, you have a pretty good idea of, of how close you are or aren't to being able to play at that level. And if you feel like, you know what, I can hang with these guys. It is just absolute, just confidence just goes straight to their, <laughs> straight to their hands and their feet. Um, okay. So let's move along here. The next player I have on my list ranking at number five is uh, Jesse Yulonen, uh son of former NHL great Yuhal Yulonen. And I'm at one point I'm going to call him Yuhal Yulonen because I'm old. Um, so here's a player who has been developing with Montreal for uh, a couple of seasons now. He played with the uh, the Rocket in last season's crazy COVID season and even had an NHL recall. And this season he spent the majority of, of his time back in Laval, but he's uh, you know 30 points through 45 games right now. And um, he's even played a dozen games in the NHL with Montreal. He's now 22 years old. He's a second round pick from 2018. So, you know, he's, he's pretty close to being what he is and developed and, you know, not much more room to grow for him. I wouldn't think. Um, And in his 12 games, he's got five points. So that's pretty good actually. And uh, you know, he's kind of tagged as, another version of his father. So anyone who's old like me and remembers Yuha Yolonen, he was a, he was a good versatile forward. You could move him up and down your roster. If you had injuries or, or, or needed a, a pinch player, you could move up from your third line to your first line for a, a couple of shifts or even a couple of games, or you could move him down and try and get some, some action on your, on your low levels too. Uh, and he's a good, reliable two-way player. That's the way I've kind of seen uh, Jesse Yolonen uh, with Montreal. And it looks like he's going to be a legitimate NHL player. Um, how right or wrong am I there? <laughs> uh, I would say that you are right on there. I'm going to be quite honest with you. Uh, Jesse Yolonen is one of the um, players that I am most excited about for next season. I am thrilled for him he is actually currently still with up with the canadians uh he was he had come up on emergency recall uh and they have kept him uh on even after uh the player that he was uh in for came back from injury he is he is impressing 
that well. Um, I actually just sat down for a, a one-on-one uh, with Yese uh, two weeks ago. It was two days before uh, his his this most recent recall to the NHL uh, for our uh, the show that I host of ours on YouTube. And we sat and we talked for 20 minutes about how much influence his dad had on him, uh, how much he learned from Yuha. And yes, you're correct. They are very similar uh, players. Um, Yese has an incredible shot. Just, I mean, the release on his shot is you blink and you miss it. Uh, his, he skates exceptionally. He's got great vision, very high, uh, very high hockey IQ. Um, and, and yeah, this is a guy who's really only been playing in North America for a year. He was playing in the Finnish Liga before that. So again, like Norlander was getting that, that pro level experience playing in, in the Liga. And he's, he told me that um, he spent a lot of time while he was over there in that last year playing in the Liga, uh, that he spent a lot of time analyzing NHL games to mentally start preparing to make that transition to playing in North America. And he felt that that was really a big piece that helped him transition so quickly because his adaptation to the smaller ice did not take long at all that we saw last year. Um I'm uh, he's he's a he's a very dependable player at the AHL level but he is fitting in just beautifully at the NHL level and I I seriously believe that uh Ullinen will contend for uh, a roster spot with the Habs come this September so you had a sorry you said you had an interview with him for uh for a YouTube show is that posted yet uh, yes, it is. Uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, that's at youtube.com slash all Habs. Uh, I host a weekly video program there called Habs Hockey Report. And uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you'll see, I believe it was episode four. Yes, episode four. Uh, and you'll see uh, Habs Hockey Report, Canadians prospect Jesse Ullinen, published on March 24th, uh, 2022. And that's a, an exclusive 20-minute interview sitting down with Jesse and just talking about his development and where his game's at and uh, a little bit of his life in uh, Finland growing up with, uh, with a dad who played in the NHL. Excellent. So everyone listening to this episode is getting their their regular dose of prospect knowledge with a twist of fantasy hockey information and now Habs fans if they weren't already tuned into that have a great (laughs) (laughs) a great outlet that they can uh they can subscribe to uh Jesse was born in Arizona though right so he's got dual citizenship but I, I guess his formative years were in Finland that's correct. In fact, uh, we touched on that in the interview. Um, I asked him if he had any memory of uh, when dad was playing for Phoenix and in Tampa before they went back to Finland. And he, he doesn't recall uh, his time uh, as a baby in the States, but, but certainly remembers watching dad play in, in Finland. So pretty, pretty neat memories for him. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Another defenseman on my list. Uh, number six, we've got uh, Jordan Harris, Montreal's 2018 third round pick, 71st overall. He's 5'11", 179. So, you know, not on the not on the big size, but uh, he's bigger than than Ryan Ellis. Uh, played four seasons at Northeastern University. And the final season that just passed here as their captain, he helped them win a couple of bean pots. Um, he uh, won a hockey, are they, they're a hockey East, a couple titles yes, there. They're hockey East, yep. Yeah. 
and he played out his four seasons. And of course you kind of, when you see a player go back for his fourth season, um, you start biting your nails and thinking, Oh, oh are we going to, is he going to sign as a free agent somewhere else? But he didn't, he quickly signed after the season for Northeastern ended. Uh, and he went from being the Huskies captain to straight to the NHL. And he's got two games under his belt. Um, so how has he looked uh, in the NHL so far? I have to say Jordan Harris uh, made a wise decision to spend four years in the NCAA and, and he confirmed, um, you know, it was certainly, there was a lot of hair pulling when he wasn't signing after his sophomore year, not signing after his junior year um, as to, Oh my gosh, are we going to lose him to, to free agency? We could hear fans saying that all the time on social media. Um, Mm -hmm. And he confirmed when he, his first availability with, with Montreal just a a week or so ago, he said, and, 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 we had been trying to remind people of this all the time that he even said it at his interviews when he was drafted that my plan and my family's plan, education is our big priority. I'm going to go spend four years at Northeastern and I'm going to get my degree. And he just never deviated from that plan. And I had to respect um, a player for sticking to that when the bright lights of the NHL are calling it's, you know, I'm sure it's very tempting, but he stuck to his guns. Uh, The other part of it too was, Um, knowing that he could go back for his senior year, be the captain at Northeastern because his previous two years, that sophomore and junior season were both interrupted and disrupted by COVID shutdowns. And so, yeah, he had his freshman, freshman year, but he really wanted to experience a full NCAA season, his senior year, last chance for him to do that. So by doing that, uh, and as far as Northeastern went, he just uh, tore it up in the NCAA this year and to be honest, he as poised, well-spoken and grounded and calm as he is in a press conference, he does the exact same thing on the ice. Uh, the two games that he has played, he has not looked out of place whatsoever. He skates beautifully um, and just really seems to be calm and confident and just ready to take on the NHL. Uh, there's a lot of maturity there, and I'm, I, I'm very excited to see what he's going to do here in these uh, last 10 games or so with, with Montreal and then heading into training camp in the fall. Right. Do you, he's going to probably spend some time in the American hockey league then I would assume, right. He's got to get, getting his cup of coffee in the NHL, burning a year of his, his ELC. He'll have one more season next year on his ELC. Um, I would suspect that'll be spent largely in the American hockey league, given the fact that the Canadians have, you know, a number of, a number of NHL players under contract already on, on the blue line. They do, unless he makes them have a, have to make a tough decision come, come the fall. And he seems to be the determined type that could do that. So we'll, (laughs) I think that'll be one of the, he'll be one of the ones to watch during training camp to see what, what happens there. All right. So another player that uh, has signed with Montreal uh, oh, wait, I better double check to make sure that Sean Farrell is next guy on my list. He is unsigned and he is a member of Harvard University and he should have just played his um, his sophomore season. Uh, but because Ivy League was shut down last year, he double dipped for another season in the uh, USHL with Chicago Steel, where he posted... 101 points in 53 games. That's not bad. Eh, just 101. <laughs> I could do that. I just don't want to. That's right. Uh, so this year as a freshman in the NCAA playing with the Crimson, he posted 28 points in 24 games. Also 
not too shabby. And he made the American Olympic team as well and scored six points in four games there. And, you know, this is a player who's now 20 years old, 5'9", 174. He's a forward, center left winger, uh, very offensively talented player. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was lured by the big shiny lights of the NHL and, and decided to, to sign a contract uh, soon, I would imagine it would have already happened by now if, if it was going to happen for the 22, 23 season. Uh, but this looks like he is a shining star prospect. That's going to just keep vaulting up the list. And I have him ranked at seventh right now. That that's, that's gonna, that's gonna go up. He's gonna pass some of these, <laughs> some of these players and some of the guys ahead of him are gonna graduate. So by this time next year, he should be in the top three would be, would be my guess. I, I certainly think that the upward trajectory for Sean Farrell is going to continue. Uh, he absolutely has impressed at the USHL level uh, and in Harvard uh, this year, absolutely uh, did a, did a spectacular job, as you say, 10 goals, 18 assists with Harvard this year. Um whether or not I agree, since he has not signed yet, it's I'm I'm leaning towards uh, believing that he'll probably spend one more year with Harvard, uh, which is never a bad thing. Um, before making that jump to pro, um, you know, it was, we look back at Cole Caulfield, and a lot of people clamor for Cole Caulfield to sign uh, and and head to the NHL after his freshman season, uh, and it was. He took it under good advisement uh, to stay um, for, for at Wisconsin for one more year. And I think this is going to be a thing that maybe Sean Farrell should stay in the NCAA just one more year, just get a little bit more experience and work on those little details in the game and then make the jump over to pro, I would bet, uh, for the following year. Right on, right on. All right. So squirreling down my list, we've got number eight, an OHL player. <clears throat> Jan Mysak, who is a member of the Hamilton Bulldogs. He's the Montreal Canadiens 2020 second round pick, 40th, 48th overall, actually. And he's only 6'1, sorry, 6'181, but he plays a pretty physical game. The meat and potatoes of his game, though, is his offense. Uh, he has a very hard, heavy shot. Uh, he can really rip it. Um, playing in a, on a pretty offensively talented team in Hamilton. He's got 59 points through 56 games so far. He's a 30 goal scorer. Um, So he is a 19 year old and I believe this will be his final season of uh, Ontario hockey league eligibility. So this will be a player that you'll get to watch regularly in Laval uh, starting next season. I think Um, what can you tell me about uh, Jan Myshak so far? Uh, well, the, the fortunate thing is I've actually gotten to, uh, to watch Jan Mishak play 22 games already at the AHL level. He was one of those who qualified last season That's uh, right. with, this, with the CHL shutdown. Um, he was one who qualified and was able, he was permitted to play in the AHL last year uh, while Hamilton was not playing. And so he played 22 games. He only had two goals, um, but I have to tell you, uh, the tenacity of Jan Mishak is is not something to be denied or ignored. Uh, he impressed in those 22 games. Uh, production production aside, uh, he looked uh, he looked hungry, and there you could see this the raw skill and the talent there. Also, just loves to learn. He 
calls himself a sponge. Uh, the guys used to say that he would just walk around with a smile on his face, just soaking in every bit of information he could from from the pros around him. And yes, uh, he is tearing it up in Hamilton this year. I expect that he's going to come and make a big impact for the Laval Rocket next year. Um, and a guy that might actually be coming with him, uh, I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off script here for a minute. Uh, is one of his teammates who's been traded to Hamilton this year uh, from the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, this is a, a another prospect of the Canadians, and that's Arbor Jacki. Um, Arbor Jacki, 12 goals, 22 assists uh, this season hits anything that moves <laughs> when we watched him in training camp this year uh he is a tough customer and uh almost to the point of it being dangerous he's had some suspensions uh he's he's gotten him he he plays with an edge and a little bit too much of an edge sometimes i think that's the one thing he'll need to rein in as just his maturity with his physical play but between the two of them with with jack i now playing with jan meshack um two really solid Canadians prospects that we could likely see in Laval uh, next season that are just going to make a really big impact. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really high on Jan Mischek. I'm, I'm excited for him to, to fully full-time make the jump to pro and see what he can do. I, I'm really um, happy for, for two reasons that you brought up Arbor. Um, uh, Jack I. Jack I correct. Just Jack I. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. the reason why I'm confused with how you pronounce this was if you aren't familiar with this prospect, his last name is spelled X H E K A J. Phonetically, that's a nightmare. But if we just call him Jack I, that, that just, I'll just pretend I didn't read that name and I'll, I'll just call him that. I actually had a chance to watch him play live recently here in Kingston too. And, um, Immediately after the game, I started searching my uh, fantasy league to see if if he was unowned in any of my leagues because the leagues I'm in are pretty deep and they count hits and blocks and penalty minutes. Um, so I thought, well, <laughs> here's a player who I can probably that's, get. That's a guy you want. <laughs> uh huh. On ELC, and he will just stuff those categories for me. He might never score an NHL goal, but that's okay if he uh, if he does those things kind of like Radko Gudis. That would be great. Not the greatest skater in the world, so I have a no. little bit of concern about there. But um, he does love to hit, and he, he, you know, playing in the OHL, he was no one wanted any any part of him. So it'd be interesting to see how that translates to the pro level. Uh, if his skating is is a problem enough to to hold him back from the NHL, um, he does get around pretty good, and and he's about twelve feet tall, so he's got a pretty wide wings wingspan and a very long <laughs> stick to to make up for uh, any space that he gives up in a foot race. Um, but yeah, I, I would be concerned about his over aggressiveness and his ability to maybe chase a hit and get pulled out of position a little bit, but yeah. it got him in trouble even during training camp when he got into a preseason game for Montreal, for Montreal, he actually injured, uh, he injured someone in a preseason game, uh, taking a hard hit, uh, giving a hard hit into the board. So he, that's some, something he definitely is, will need to temper, uh, once he turns pro. Definitely a player you'd rather have on your team than, than look across the ice and <laughs> don't want to chase the, don't want to chase loose pucks in his corner. No, that's, that's, that is absolutely right. But so yes, him and him and Jan Meshack, I think uh, two, two really solid prospects coming from Hamilton. Right. Okay. Back on to the list, uh, Jan Meshack at eight, and then we move on to another defenseman and this is uh, Jaden Struble. So he is in the NCAA. He's unsigned 2019 second round pick 46th overall. He's now 20 years old. He's six feet. 
194, and he is a teammate of Jordan Harris in Northeastern. And so Jordan Harris will be moving on, but it looks like uh, Struble is going to stay behind. Um, he's a pretty impressive player. I've seen him play a couple of times. Um, he's a bit more uh, of a, a defensive and physical defenseman. And I think his biggest competition for ice time is probably going to be with um, Caden Gooling. Um, yeah, I, I would I would say that too. Yeah. So, it, it, so, no, go ahead, Terry. No, that's okay. I, I was just going to say it. We, you know, we talked about how there's going to be some competition for ice time on the, on the back end, uh, both in Montreal and in Laval. And I think really in Laval next year, we could be looking at, um, Gooley, however long he stays in the AHL, uh, Norlander, Gianni Fairbrother and Arbor Jack are all going to be prospects vying for ice time. Um, so as you said, you, it's looking that Jaden Struble is probably going to head back to Northeastern. I think that's probably wise for him to do um, and let uh, let a season go by that Caden Gooley earns his way up into the NHL. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe Matthias Norlander does as well. And that creates a little space for him in the following season to come and actually get some some quality ice time because he's definitely a good defenseman. Um, and I think I think another year at Northeastern would do him good. Right. And the 10th player on my list is yet another defenseman. And let's not sleep on um, Josh Brooke, who's been limited to all of six games this season uh, due to injury. But, um, you know, he's a he's a prospect with some some pedigree. He is a 2017 second round pick. He's still only 22 years old. He's six foot 194. So he's got some good size. And, uh, you know, in his final season in the WHL, he posted 75 points in 59 games for Moose Jaw. Uh, and he's got a couple of full seasons of AHL development under his belt. He had a 60 point rookie season and then 33 points and, or sorry, 33 games in the COVID season last year and 13 and 15 points. So his point per game production went from 13 and 60 to 15 and 33. So a nice increase there. And now he's basically missed an entire season. Um, what is the, what's the feeling with, with Josh uh, Brooke? Is this a player who we might be sleeping on and some people have kind of forgotten about, but Montreal still has high expectations for him, or is he going to be able to overcome a, a lost season of development? Cause that can be a problem. It's really uh, one of the biggest questions surrounding uh, current pro prospects for the Montreal Canadiens is the mystery of Josh Brooke and what's going to happen with him, um, particularly since he's RFA this summer. Um, and yes, he had a, a decent, albeit short season last year and a, and a, and a good, uh, you know, outing in 2019-20. Um, unfortunately, there's times that he has whether I, you know, it's, it's kind of un, unknown as to whether or not there was um, personality differences with prior coaches, uh, you know, when Joel Bouchard was running uh, the Laval rocket and whatnot, there were times uh, those games that you see uh, for last year, some of those were when he was playing as a forward, believe it or not. Uh, Bouchard had him playing <laughs> front for a while. Uh, it's actually when he got injured. 
and then had to have knee surgery in the off season. And it's why he rehabbed most of this season and didn't actually make his season debut until I believe the end of January. Um, it's been a rough road for Josh Brooke, a little bit of up and down. Uh, there were nights, you know, healthy scratch some nights and so forth. Um, and right now he's dealing with that as well. In fact, once he came back uh, from his rehabbing this year, made his season debut he only made it into a couple of games before he had to go out on injury again because the knee that he had surgery on uh was swelling and so they had to kind of pull him back go through some rehab again let the knee uh heal some more let the swelling go down um and ever since he's now come back again to start playing um it's he's kind of in and out of the lineup because I think they're trying to take it easy on the knee and just make sure that he's not going to have another major setback. So Josh Brooke hasn't really had a chance to get his season started at all. He's not had any kind of regularity since he's even come back from injury. Um, and so I think this season is going to be a bit of a wash for him. The The big question is going to be, um, are they going to qualify him this summer? And is he going to stick around? I think that they'll still qualify him and give him a shot at a, at actually having a full season to see what he's got in the tank, but it's going to be a big make or break year for him uh, next year. If he does stay with the organization um, and hopefully he can get back to, to the player that he looked like uh, two and three years ago. Um, and particularly in the WHL, because the talent is there. It's just, it's been a long time since he's had the confidence both himself and the confidence of his coaching staff as well. And I think that's just not sitting as much as he has and, and not getting the ice time, I think has just been a little detrimental. Josh Brooke, he's, he's a great guy. He's super nice kid um, and, and has a lot of talent. So hoping that things uh, turn, turn around for him soon. Absolutely. You hate to see a player's career get ended prematurely because of an injury and it sounds like he's dealing with a long a long knee problem it's they could be trending towards the chronic side so that is that is alarming um but that does round out my top 10 uh a couple other players who were on my honorary mentions list that didn't get published but uh we talked about arbor jack i i kind of really interested in him not the most fantasy upside but looking more at uh, points-wise, the Canadian signed Joshua Roy, who is tearing up the Quebec Major Junior League to the tune of uh, almost two points a game, 98 points through 54 games. Um, Laval's leading scorer is Raphael Harvey-Pennard. Uh, Amy, are there any other prospects, uh, either of these guys or, or any other prospects who you think have um, a really, maybe a, a, a sleeper sort of, offensive upside players that could could make Montreal and and could make some noise on the stat sheet uh well you know um there's some some deeper prospects that I think are are certainly up and coming Gianni Fairbrother is a defenseman who's currently playing for the Laval Rocket he's injured right now uh so he hasn't had a, a a ton of playing time as of late but uh Add that as another name to to the back end of, of competition for ice time in a roster spot. But I think Gianni Fairbrother, uh, right in there with Matthias Norlander, could uh, could really make some noise once he gets going. Uh, you mentioned Joshua Waugh, who, of course, yes, he is absolutely um, tearing things up and, and making headlines all over the place with the kind of numbers he's putting up. At the same time, another guy who's playing in the queue, who's playing for Acadie Bathurst right now, is Riley Kidney, 2020-round um, second rounder uh, for the Montreal Canadians. He's 19. 
just turned 19. So he'll turn 20 next March. Um, this season for uh, last season for Acti Bathurst put up 38 points this season. He's got 86 points. He's got 27 goals and 59 assists for Acti Bathurst. Uh, he is, uh, certainly someone to keep an eye on, uh, when he makes the jump to pro, he could, uh, he could be, uh, as, as exciting to watch as Raphael Harvey Pinard has been for, for Laval. So I would, I would definitely put Riley Kidney in there for sure. That is awesome. Amy, thanks so much for your time. And uh, again, if anyone listening wants to get some of the best Montreal Canadiens prospect coverage, uh, you can follow Amy's work on um, at AHL report. Uh, and her personal Twitter handle is at flyers rule. Uh, the, the podcast is um, press zone and that's on all platforms. Is it? Yes, it is. Uh- you can find us on the press zone. And I also co-host uh, the Canadians connection podcast uh, on our, on our platforms as well. Nice. And then there was the, the YouTube show as well that we talked about when we were talking about Yolanda. That's correct. Habs hockey report comes out every Thursday, just had a new episode published today. Uh, and you can find that at youtube.com slash all Habs. Amy is everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> we do try here at rocket sports media. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Montreal Canadiens uh, went to the Stanley Cup finals and now they're in the draft lottery. Uh, Look, maybe uh, Shane Wright will be the number one prospect when uh, the next season starts. Um, But they do have a pretty good prospect pool with uh, with a number of good problems to have. Like, how do we fit all these players on our blue line? So some for Habs fans to look forward to amy thank you so much for joining me tonight i believe montreal's playing tonight so i should let you go so you can watch the game (laughs) thank you so much peter it's a it's a pleasure joining your show i appreciate the invitation and uh thanks so much good luck thanks